Can I tell you about friends? You might be beat to death by the world, but they'll come and they'll drag you out if necessary. They'll lift you up. They'll help you. They'll encourage you. You see, this is what friendship, the priceless possession, is really worth. Why? Because the main business of friendship is to sustain and make bearable each other's burdens, no matter how bad they may have been. We may do more of that as friends than anything else. Just lifting people, just encouraging people. Getting through the tough times, offering encouragement when others desperately need it, shoring each other up in the unfairness of existence. The main work of friendship consists of doing very unpretentious tasks. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. This morning, if you have your Bibles, Proverbs 18, and I've got a lot of scriptures, going to be a lot of scripture on the screen, a lot of scripture that's not going to be on the screen, but what I want to talk to you just for a few moments this morning is about Probably the most priceless possession in our life outside of salvation, and that is friendship. Folks, I don't know what I would be without some friends. I don't know what I would be in this church as a pastor without friends. So for a few moments today, I want to talk to you about the most important people. And I say this unequivocally. So if you would underline that in your notes, the most important people in our lives. Now, I'm not talking about our Christ. I'm talking about our family. But it's those we call our friends. Because Heather was sharing a tidbit of her testimony. Didn't Heather do an awesome job this morning? Oh, Jacob and, and, and Bill and, uh, and uh, you know, just Bill. named the whole team. Just uh, incredible. A little bit of her testimony of, of how someone was there, how she said, I'm not going to be there anymore. I'm going to go someplace else. I'm going to go to the place that God wants me to go. And it's friends that help us. You know who friends are? They're people that know you better than anybody else, and they still like you. I'm going to let that one settle for just a second. <laughs> you mean there's things about me not to like? 
Oh, 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 do we have enough time today? I, I read the word of God in, in John 15. Jesus is preparing to face the cross and he talks to the disciples and he says, you know, I don't call you disciples any longer. I call you friends. We go back to Genesis 1. And the Bible talks about a man named Abraham. And Abraham, the Bible says, was called the friend of God. Can I tell you something? There's no greater relationship you'll have on this earth besides your friends. I've had friends over the years that, that even when I made a fool out of myself, somebody say amen. Hey, I put that in there because I knew I wasn't the only one. Okay, we, even when I made a fool out of myself, they stood by my side realizing the damage wasn't permanent. Now, there's a few others that probably said, oh, wow, that was bad. So we have a statement that we made in this church, and I have made this statement since the very beginning of my pastoring. And I get that statement out of Proverbs 18. A man who will have friends, must he himself be a friend? Must he himself be friendly? If you want friends, oh, come on, you don't know better. If you want friends, the church is sometimes the most unfriendly place. How many have gone to a church, and if it's this church, don't raise your hand, please. But how many have gone to a church, and you, man, fitting in. You go there for weeks, months, years. And it's like, does anybody even know I exist? And it should be, the Bible teaches, it should be just the opposite. When you walk into a church, and hopefully I'm talking about victorious life, you walk in and people can't wait to put their arms around you to high-five you or to say, hey, dude, what's happening? (laughs) You notice how I started to do that thing? I had somebody walk up to me one time, and they, they, they started to do this. And I'm thinking, folks, I'm a little older, and I just don't get it. So I reached out my hand to shake his hand. <laughs> yeah, what do, you, what do you do? What do you do? A man who would have friends, must he himself be friendly? But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. In another place in Proverbs, it says that a friend is born for adversity. When you're going through those tough times, that's when you need the friend the most. That's what that passage is talking about. I've gone to, to this place and that place and felt like I was all alone. And then somebody came alongside and said, hey, I'll be there with you. As a pastor, I can't tell you how many times that I've just been there. Just been there. This NAU shooting that happened, even though I was still on quasi-vacation, still picked up some phones and texted some folks, say, how are you doing? Some were good, some were not good. You see, things never affect us when they're in the news and they're far distant, seems like. But when they're close by, kind of gets under our skin, doesn't it? That's when you need a friend. Maybe to do nothing else but to say, it's going to be okay. I sure try as a pastor. Matter of fact, in our church, I've told people for years, I don't believe I can be a good pastor if I can't be a good friend. 
Another place in the, the book of Proverbs, it says that the wounds of a friend are the best thing you could have. You know what that means? A friend that will be honest with you. Amen. Fools will build you up. They'll, they'll stroke you. They'll do everything. But a friend will come in there and tell you what you don't want to hear. Amen. Just because they love you. Some of you looking at me like a bunch of frogs in a hailstorm. Where's this preacher get this stuff? <laughs> Folks, I'm just a country boy. That's all I am. My wife, when she met me, said, you're a cowboy, aren't you? I said, nope, I'm a country boy. Cowboys own cows. What is Friendship. That makes it such a priceless possession. What is? <laughs> Only Bob Hurst could do this one. <laughs> and he's not even here for me to talk about. Somebody take a picture of that so I can send it to Bob, would you please? <laughs> I just wonder if that's his fingers or Tina's. I'm not sure. Why is friendship such a priceless possession? Can I tell you why? Because it's the hardest thing you'll ever get, and it's the hardest thing you'll ever keep. One of the most difficult aspects of friendship is not having friends, but it's being a friend. Because I tell you what, you know something about people? They kind of are just people, and people do what people do. And so sometimes it's hard to like people. Yeah. I'm going to turn to Rick over here. He's the loudest amen. So I'm going to get, sometimes it's just hard to like people, isn't it? Amen. <laughs> That's why it's so difficult to have friends at times. Because you've got to like them even when they're not likable. To add to the difficulty, the hardest work a person will ever do is to keep that friendship in repair and to build new friendships. Why is it so difficult? Why is it such a priceless possession? Because life happens. Life happens. How many have ever had something happen that shouldn't have happened? Okay, we don't have the whole church raising their hand. There's a problem. <coughs> We, we, we've got things that happened that shouldn't have happened. And we've had people do things to us that they should not have done. But that's okay. Because that's what people do. You see, as a Christian, what exacerbates the situation of this whole having friends, being a friend, and building friendships is because the enemy is always at work 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year, working against that relationship. Let me give you some thoughts. A real friend knows your weaknesses. But listen to this. <laughs> it's really hard to preach with a straight face, isn't it? I just wonder which one represents me. 
A real friend knows your weaknesses. But you see this? They show your strengths. They tell you how great you are. Even when you don't feel pretty great. Even when you're going through that struggle, that difficulty, and you feel like up is the only place you can look because down is how far you've gone. Can I tell you about a real friend? They feel your fears, but they fortify your strength, your faith. A real friend sees your anxieties, but comes alongside of you and just sets free your spirit. I'm not going to look back anymore. <laughs> you know what a real friend does? They recognize your disabilities. Look at somebody and say, oh, this one's good for me. Oh, <laughs> Only a victorious life. Only a victorious life. Give, give me my phone. I'm going to call Bob. <laughs> they know your disabilities. But what do they do? They emphasize your possibilities. Folks, I need these people. I need these friends that when I'm feeling like I'm, I'm just down as low as I can get, they come, they come a song, and every once in a while they give me the, the right foot of fellowship and kick me in the butt and say, come on, get up, you're, big, you're bigger than that. Amen. Some of us need that. Some of us need God to just come alongside of us through a man or a woman that we call a friend and say, you've been here. You've been there. Next. There's a saying that I've said for years, some do, some don't, some will, some won't. Next. What do you do? This is life. Life happens. But real friends, they know you. They've been where you're at, and they'll help you get where you're going. In other words, where we are weak, a real friend will step in to show us where we are strong. Dale Carnegie, many years ago, we know his book became just tremendous, How to Win Friends and Influence People. He made a statement. He said, you can make more friends in two months by becoming a friend interested in others than you can in two years by trying to get people interested in you. Amen. Being interested in people. My wife talked about her sister-in-law yesterday at the women's conference. How many, was that women's conference really great? Wasn't that wonderful? She talked about uh, her sister-in-law, our sister-in-law. And how she would always take these people and set them down. And just for time, figure out who they are. Find out who they are. Not tell them who she is, but talk about who they are. See, this is what friends do. Being interested in others is the best way to bring a person to even to church. We, we go to restaurants. We go to different places and we meet people. And one of the things that almost without reservation happens in me is I wind up asking somebody where they go to church. I don't ask them if they go to church. I ask them where they go to church. Some do, some don't. And the inevitability 
we start inviting them. Why? Because the church is where you should be able to build friendships. Better than any place else in the world. This is what it means to be a friend. Why is it so priceless or what is so priceless? Is because you bring that new friend to church and that new friend begins to meet other friends. And they begin to build new relationships in Christ instead of in the world. How many think that's a pretty priceless possession? So why consider this a possession? Because really it is. Friendship is something that you cannot just randomly pick up. You have to work at it. You have to possess it. And it's a possession of pricelessness. True friendship is something that you consider your own. I like to call it an invaluable commodity. Why? Because real and true friendship is something that you almost cannot, regardless of who you are, live without. I read a story many years ago about two women who had debilitating strokes. Margaret's stroke affected the left side of her body, while Ruth's stroke affected the right side of her body. Both of the elder women were wonderfully accomplished pianists, and they gave up the hope of ever playing piano again. But the doctor very wisely looked and noticed that the two women had the same abilities and disabilities. And he offered a suggestion that they sit down and play the pieces together. Amen. Now I want you to look at me for a second before I finish the story. There are people that you know that have gone through just what you're going through. It would be great if you would bring them into your life that you could sit down and work through this piece together. You see the two ladies sat down, Margaret and Ruth, and they realized that they could play beautiful music again. And you know what happened? More than the music, an incredible relationship and friendship was born. You see, when you know people that have gone through what you've gone through, people sit back and say, oh, I'm sure they don't want to talk about it. Oh, yes, they do. But they want to talk about it more so with somebody that's been where they've been. Most of us know people that have patronized us. Oh, honey, I understand what you're going through. As a pastor, I've always got to be careful. When, before my, my, my dad died, I never lost a parent. But I've comforted countless people whose parents have passed. Before different situations happened in my life, I never personally endured things. But I still had to counsel these people and help these people. We say, Pastor, how can you do it without being patronizing? Because of the Spirit of God in me. Amen. You see, he's been where I've never been, which enables me to go where I've never gone, to do what I've never done, that I can be what you need me to be at that time. Amen. And that's what God does. But see, that's called Friendship. Friendship that I have with God. Friendship that I have with you. I can sit down with you and talk to you just about anything. Pastor Philemon, Pastor Ray. We can minister, we can counsel, we can encourage, we can instruct. 
We can challenge. We can reprove, rebuke, exhort, and be the other part of that relationship that seems to be missing in your life right then. You see, this is how friends and the church should be. What one cannot do alone, two or more can do it if they just come together. That's why the Bible talks about being in one accord. What one cannot do, two can. Look at Proverbs 27. We use this passage a lot, but I want to bring it to you out of the the, uh, International Standard Version. Listen to what it says. Iron sharpens iron. So a person sharpens a friend's character. You know what a friend is able to do? Challenge, correct, get you into that place that maybe you need to be right then. Challenge you to look at it from a different perspective, a different situation. Let me take you to another place that Solomon recorded in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. It says two are better than one. And I want you to underline this in your notes. For they can help each other succeed. See, this is what friends can do. They can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone, they're in real trouble. Let me talk to you, self-made women and self-made men. Bad, bless God, I can do it. Stop believing that lie. You can't. Through Christ, we can. But guess what? He is that friend that sticks closer than the brother. So it's still not you. It's we, not me. Well, you know, I, I, I can. I, who was that television show? Tim Allen. You know, I learned a long time ago there's lots of stuff that I can't do without you. Could you imagine pastoring this church and all I had is empty chairs? I remember when I first started pastoring back in Tyler, Texas, uh, somebody asked me, they got some friends moved in Tyler, and what's a good church? And so it was a church that I always liked when I was there, and, and so I checked it out, and seems to be doing really well still, so I recommended the church. But while I was in Tyler, we started the church and didn't have much money, and uh, we bought a bunch of steel folding chairs. Amen. So every Sunday, I preached to the steel family. I love those steel chairs. You could always tell when the conviction of the Holy Ghost was on somebody. Those chairs were shiny. They're just wiggling around. And I think we should go back to steel chairs. I could see what God is doing. How many like steel chairs? Okay. One or two people lied just right then. But <laughs> Pastor Philemon, behave yourself, please. <laughs> But when somebody falls alone, they're in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying together can be warm. How can you be warm lying alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three 
are even better because a threefold cord is not easily broken. So many people in this world need a friend. Can I say that again? So many people in this world just need a friend. What is a friend? Someone that'll make the time and then take the time to reach out and show how much they really care. There was a new neighbor in town and and one person in the neighborhood, they bought a new television set and all the, the neighbors joined together and, and, and uh, on a Saturday, they decided they're going to put up the, the antenna. Well, they all had the simplest of tools because they were a neighborhood and nobody really did much and they were working along without much progress until a man who was new on the block showed up with this elaborate toolbox. He had all that we needed to bring the antenna up in record time. We all stood around congratulating each other on our good stroke of luck. And then the people turned to the new man and said, well, what do you do? What do you make with such fancy tools? Well, looking around at all the neighbors, he smiled and said, Friends, mostly. See, there's something that you can do that nobody else can do. And there's something you can offer that nobody else can offer. Pastor, what could that be? You. You. Remember the old song? What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. How many here have the need of somebody to help share those griefs and burdens? I do. And I know if you're honest, you say, Pastor, I need it a whole lot more than I let people know. Galatians 6.2 says, bear one another's burdens. And in this, you fulfill the law of Christ. I read a story about a young man that probably brings if I can say the epitome of what friendship really means to light. He was a soldier in World War I. And his friend was mortally wounded and laying out in a place called no man's land. This young man asked the officer in charge, he said, Sir, can I go and find my friend? And the officer said, Son, there's no sense going. He is mortally wounded, and you yourself will be the same. And then the young man persisted and said, but officer, can I please? I I know he's there. I know it would be okay. And the officer said, yes, you can go. But it's not going to be worth it. Your friend is probably dead, and you're going to throw your own life away as well. The young soldier just shook it off and said, no, and he went. Somehow he managed to find his friend, hoist him him to his shoulder, and bring him back through the trenches. The two men tumbled in together (coughs) to the bottom of the trench. The officer looked very tenderly on the would-be rescuer and said, I told you it wouldn't be worth it. 
Look, your friend is dead, and now you are mortally wounded. But listen to what the young man's reply. He said, it was worth it, though, sir. And the officer said, how do you mean it's worth it? I tell you, your friend is dead. And the young boy responded, yes, sir. But it was worth it, worth it. Because when I got there, he was still alive. And he said, Jim, I knew you would come. Can I tell you about friends? You might be beat to death by the world. But they'll come and they'll drag you out if necessary. They'll lift you up. They'll help you. They'll encourage you. You see, this is what friendship, the priceless possession, is really worth. Why? Because the main business of friendship is to sustain and make bearable each other's burdens, no matter how bad they may have been. We may do more of that as friends than anything else. Just lifting people, just encouraging people, getting through the tough times, offering encouragement when others desperately need it, shoring each other up in the unfairness of existence. The main work of friendship consists of doing very unpretentious tasks. Lastly this morning, the proprietor of this priceless priceless possession. What is the proprietor? They're an owner. They're a manager. You are my friend. I own the responsibility of that friendship. Not you. I'm the proprietor. It doesn't matter what you do. I've had people that have done some pretty bad things to me. And you know what? I still love them. I do. Pastor, are they they dear friends? Not necessarily. But I still call them friends. Do you know why I can do that? Because I know what life does. It happens. People do what people do. How many are bold enough to say you've done something stupid at least once in your life? Okay. You notice I didn't ask you for this morning. <laughs> yeah. I usually don't do anything stupid until after I get out of bed. I remember praying one time. I was, God, thank you for this day. Oh, God, it's such a wonderful day. I'm so, man, it's so exciting. So, you know, then I said, but God, I'm, I'm, I'm fixing to get out of bed. I need your help. <laughs> I can be a friend regardless of what he does. Just happens to be close enough. Regardless of what he does. She does. Why? Because I'm the proprietor of that relationship. I'm the manager. I'm the one that makes a choice whether I'm going to be that friend or not regardless of what they do or they've done. We all have probably watched the movie Frosty. Oh, Frozen, Frozen. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) I knew it was something cold. Have you watched it? No, you haven't watched it. Take him home and help him watch it, okay? It, it, will, it will do wonders for him. <laughs> in, the, in the movie, the, the big song is 
How come we have such a problem with that? Why is it when a friend messes up? See, it can't be an acquaintance. It can't be an enemy because it, it won't bother you then. But it's a friend that messes you up. Why is it that we can't just get over it and move on? Well, they shouldn't have done that. You're right. But you're the proprietor of it. You're the one that's managing that relationship on your side. You can't let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Or however she does it. I was trying to be flamboyant like Pastor Philemon. <laughs> it is so funny when Pastor Philemon and I are in, in Kenya preaching together. He's up there and he is just, oh man, it's just, the whole worship team is just really, uh, they're just getting down and getting after it. And I'm out there. <laughs> Even when I try to move, it's, <laughs> just, what, what do you do? I am the proprietor of this priceless possession. So the question, can a person have too many friends? I think the answer is no. Still, you will only have a few that are really close. How many are old enough to remember Pepper Rogers? Pepper Rogers used to be the UCLA football coach back in the 70s. And he led the team for four or five seasons. And one particular year, they were having a horrible season. And, and Pepper Rogers... Uh, uh, carried it very loudly on his person. It even got so bad that it upset his home life. He recalls, my dog was my only friend. He said, I told my wife that a man needs at least two friends. So she bought him another dog. <laughs> Sometimes these things affect our lives. And they affect our lives, lives in a negative way so badly that it affects other people around us. Let me bring this to a conclusion this morning because the truth about this priceless possession, the whole concept of friendship belongs to one man, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He is the one that showed us what it means to be a friend. You know what Jesus did? He wept over Jerusalem. He rejoiced with his disciples. He prayed with people. He talked with his enemies. He died for the world. He was all, did all, gave all, and could be all things to all people that by all means he might gain some. You know why? Because he knew what it meant to be a friend. Good times, bad times, all times. He knew he owned the relationship. Proverbs 17. Please underline this in your notes. A friend loves. How often? How often? So if you're the friend, does it really matter what the other one does? Does it really matter what the world does? At all times, you and I are the ones that are supposed to rise to that occasion. And look what it says here. A brother is born of adversity. When you're going through it the hardest, that's when I need to come in the strongest. 
John 15 says, greater love has no one than this, that he'd lay down his life for his friends. And that's what you have to do sometimes. That's what I have to do sometimes to maintain this friendship. Sometimes when, when I'm getting slapped right in the face by those who say they love me the most, I still have to be willing to go that extra mile, that extra place, that extra time. We would not even know the concept of friendship if it were not for the love of God that was bestowed on us through his son, Jesus Christ. It is when all else fails that we begin to understand the true value of friendship. When everyone has gone out, a real friend comes in. As the worship team comes, I share a story about an old Scottish man quite ill. The family called for their minister, and just as he entered the sick man's room, he sat down and noticed there was another chair on the opposite side of the bed. As the visitor drew close, the pastor said, oh, I noticed, Donald, that you had another visitor for the day. And the old man looked up and puzzled at the moment and and recognized from the nod that the pastor was talking about the empty chair. And then the old Scottish man began to tell the pastor the story. He said, many years ago, I found it difficult to pray. And my pastor at the time told me, just set an empty chair down and act as if you're speaking to a friend. And so from that day forward, he began to pray that way. A short time later, the daughter of the Scot called the pastor And when he answered, she'd informed him that her father had died very suddenly. And she was quite shaken, for she had no idea that his death was so near. But then she continued. She said, Pastor, I had just gone to lie down for an hour or two. It seemed like he was sleeping so comfortably. And when I went back, he was gone. And then she added thoughtfully, except now, his hand was resting on the empty chair beside his bed. Isn't that strange? And the minister said, no, it's not strange at all. I completely understand. You see, when he passed from life to eternity, Jesus was there holding his hand, a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Ladies and gentlemen, We desperately need friends. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.